Time Mom here in the Mothership of Studio 22. Another episode of the Chad Prather Show. So glad you guys are tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, or wherever podcasts are delivered. Hey, go on to Apple Podcasts. Scroll all the way down to the bottom, all the way down to the bottom on your mobile device and find a place where you can rate and review. We only take five-star reviews. And ratings and uh, reviews are the ones that say that I'm fantastic and you love our show. So that's all we do. That's all we take. Candice, queen of the Ethiopians. She doesn't look dangerous. She doesn't look dangerous. Put the camera on her, Marcus. There she is. She is diminutive in stature, but she is mighty in spirit. Thank and you. And she will cut you with a very sharp blade. She won't cut you deep, but she'll cut you long. That's the Mexican way. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> is she is. Latina now? I thought she was Ethiopian. I was, I was waiting for that last plug. You were? Yeah. Yep. Well, 23andMe is going to determine what you are because we don't know. <laughs> for a nice brand deal. We'll okay. do a DNA test. Here's the deal. How about I just give you 50 bucks and okay. you swab your mouth? Yep. All right? Good. See? <laughs> like, See? Woman can be bought. When her results come back, it's not even words. It's just three knives. They're like, oh, Latina, 100%. 100%. She got three one my, knives. One of my favorite jokes that you do, Tyson Pfeiffer in the hot seat, comedian. He's been on the show before. Welcome back, buddy. I, and uh, one of my best friends. Listen. One of the funniest bits you do. That's what we were talking about last night okay. uh, with some other guys. I was telling them the story about you growing up in El Paso yeah. and you learning how to swim in a, in a white T-shirt and blue white jeans. White T-shirt and pair of jeans, man. That's our <laughs> Latino uniform. That's what I identify with on the inside. doesn't matter the body of water. You know what I mean? River, lake, bathtub, white T-shirt, pair of jeans. You know, we're in it. ASA. It's good. El Paso is known for two things, spicy food and dark nipples. You can see both at the pool. It's uh, It's great. It helps you. Oh, I'm nice. not going to come back to you, Candace, on that one. I'll leave that one alone, okay? He sounds a lot like Beto. <laughs> Spicy food and dark nipples. There it is. Beto O'Rourke. Oh, the whitest, most pink nipples that you can, the pinkest nipples in El Paso. Hey, guys, you know, the Amazon Capital One data breach just hit. 106 million of us had our names, home addresses, banking information exposed. That's right. Forget credit card theft. You are at a far greater risk with home title fraud. What's title fraud? Well, it's a rampant thing that's going on these days because identity thieves have figured out that they can get your title and your mortgage information on your home from the Internet. That's right. They just go online and they find it. Their big payday comes by forging your name off your home title so it appears they own your home. Scary, isn't it? They are going to then borrow all your equity till it's gone. Forget your insurance, your bank, your identity theft program. They don't touch this. Home Title Lock does. And they do it by locking down your home's online title and mortgage. That's right. Time to make serious things a very big secret. The first 60 days after crimes like the Amazon server, Capital One breach are crucial. So here's what I did. I got you 60 risk-free days of home title lock protection. And you can claim those 60 risk-free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com and enter your home address to see if you're already a victim. HomeTitleLock.com. Go there right now. Where'd you, that, where'd you get that shirt? Dustin Rose. Dustin Rose. Dustin Rose, the natural. He's the son of, of the American dream. Dustin Rose. We're going to get Dustin Rose on here. Dustin Rose, American dream. 
He's a, he's a, he's a heir apparent of the Dustin Rose dream. Now you're talking the about Dustin. a guy with personalities. He was gold dust. Gold dust, and now he's a dude with paints half his face red. I'm sorry, Dustin. I can't remember what the red dude's name is. I just know that when they were in that wrestling this. match with Cody Rhodes, his brother, the other night in in in, in Vegas, and he cut it. He cut himself. Oh man, he bled all over everything. So I may be a little slow. So the Rhodes are like a wrestling family. Dusty Rhodes was American Dream. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes from <laughs> Dusty WWF. Rhodes was a legend. He is deceased now. Like. Dusty Rose. Like the Von Erichs from here? Like the, but, like the Von Erichs, oh, okay. but, but the American dream. But Dustin's not a junior. Dustin, Dustin Rose, he's not, not a junior. Not a junior. Is, he is his own man, the <laughs> L parent of the American dream. He's a natural. I feel like I'm with him right now. Yes, Just, you are. This is, you are such in character. Dustin, Dustin tells us the story. Dustin's one of the greatest guys on the planet. Just a sweetheart of a guy. And, you know, we, we've made friends with some great wrestling greats like The Undertaker and those guys. And they're just beautiful, beautiful people. I love them. And you expect these guys just to be all rough and tough all the time, but they're yeah. not. They're just gentlemen and they're sweethearts. Of God. They're great. And so Dustin, and I'm telling this tale out of turn. He might body slam me for telling you this, <laughs> Tyson, but this is funny. Because he'd tell it if he were here. He said his dad, his, his late dad, Dusty Rose, he, he'd be sitting out there. He'd be in the locker room. He'd come back from the arena, and his dad would be making out the matches for the night, right? Okay. And they're from they're from Texas, so he'd be laying on the bench on the you know the wooden bench that's in the locker room. And Dusty Rhodes, the American the American Dream, he'd be sitting there with his cowboy hat on, laying down, cowboy hat tipped yeah. back like that, and cowboy boots, and that's all he'd be wearing. And that's it. And he said it was just like like <laughs> hog balls just hanging over. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Son, you're gonna be wrestling against uh, <laughs> my third leg." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he said that's the way he'd come in there every night. That's how he'd be laying in there. Yeah, you got if you don't know Dusty. Rhodes, you got to do a YouTube. Oh, the name sounds familiar. Dusty I remember Rhodes. I bet when you see it, you'll recognize it. Yeah, With the yeah. gold dust. Ultimate Warrior and all those. Is it around that same time? Oh, yeah. yeah Dusty yeah. was around Jim that time. Superfly, okay. Jim and Snooker. Jim and yeah. Superfly, Snooker, wrestler number one, wrestler number two. Macho <laughs> Man, Randy Savage. Yeah, I remember all those guys. I had the like, figurines and stuff in the 80s. Oh, yeah. so I probably had a Dusty Rhodes uh, stretch doll or something. You probably <laughs> did. I, had a, uh, I have a comic book that Metro Jason gave us. Uh, that somebody gave to him for the Undertaker to sign, and Undertaker doesn't sign anything, right? Like he just—that's not his deal. Yeah, they, these guys get paid big bucks to go sign, have these autograph sessions. Yeah, of course. And they go all over the world and do it, and I mean, some of these guys demand upwards of a quarter million dollars just to make an appearance. Yeah, I mean, it's real money out there, and uh, and I'm not saying that's what these guys do, but some of them do, and. Um, uh, so, you know, they gave me this comic book, this Undertaker comic book, which I didn't know existed. It's sitting yeah. in my office at home. And I keep forgetting to let him sign it so we can give it back to the guy that owns the comic book. But anyway, we were in Vegas last January having dinner in Undertaker. We, we, we were – I won't say we were having drinks. Yeah. But, yeah. And so we were sitting in there just having a good time. And Undertaker, who's such a good sport, I said, man, I'm going to hit you in the face. And he said – I better not find out about it. <laughs> so we're smoking cigars. We're at Caesar's Palace. And, and, you know, we're just hanging out. We're having a good time like usual. And and he takes the cowboy hat off my head and just, without me asking, brand just new signs. Sign, but he has a brand new cowboy hat, American hat. Yeah. Signs it right on the front. Like, not on the brim, which would have yeah. been great. Would have been great, Mark. <laughs> 
if you'd sign the brim. But no, it signs it right on the front of the crown. So everyone can see it. So I got to wear it for the next two days in Vegas. Hey. With this signature right across here. I look like a rodeo queen. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone, asks, if anyone asks you, like, I ran into The Undertaker. I'm just <laughs> happy to be alive, all right? Yeah. He punched me so hard, a Sharpie <laughs> marker showed up on my hat. Uh, love those guys, though. So I just thought of this. Has anyone tried to do the cross marketing and have like the Undertaker drive like the Gravedigger monster truck? Like it seems like they go together to combine idea. those two worlds. Here's the problem with those guys. And again, I don't want to talk their business, so I'm going to speak in vagaries. But here's the thing. So they're owned. I mean, like Vince McMahon yeah. owns the characters. He yeah. owns all the stuff. And I won't get into the details of, of things. But And I don't even begin to pretend like I know all the details. But like they like they can't. Like he can't just go out and make it a public appearance as no. the Undertaker. Yeah, that's right? why uh, you know Jake the Snake's doing stand-up and stuff. But I think right. he can't say Jake the Snake. Yeah, and he can't wear the costume because it's owned by right uh, the McMahon's or whoever company yeah. owns the, the WWF. So he has to like do a spinoff. Yeah, Jake our buddy uh, Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> Jake Diamond Dallas Page. You know he's gotten connected recently. He, he did that. He did that. Um, the second coming. He did the documentary, the second coming of Jake the Snake. Did you see that? I want to tell I everybody, I want to tell everybody watching this, whether you're a wrestling fan or not, none of that matters. You need to get on Netflix and watch the documentary, The Second Coming of Jake the Snake. It's a powerful story. Got it. Uh, of Diamond Dallas Page, who's a great guy. He's got, um, he's got a hot a, yoga. He's got the yoga thing that he does over in Atlanta. Yeah. And let me tell you, they saved, they saved Jake's life, man. Cause he lives up, he lives, he's got a house up in Denton. Oh, for real? Oh yeah. He was, okay. he was on his last leg. I mean, just killing himself with drugs and alcohol. Just killing himself. It's an amazing transformation story. But anyway, so we got that. How, speaking of comedy, so Tyson Pfeiffer, Woo! the me. comedian, the I, man. I, I don't know about that. I'm working on it. You know what? You sent me a meme the other day. Laughed my butt off about that thing because you you got the pit bull yeah. and you got the pit bull bit. Yes. <laughs> that's a funny. That's a funny joke you did with the deal. Tell I was, them the, I was tell them hoping the that it was going to go viral. It's it's been doing okay. You so, did, okay? We got to put it up. I'll show you where to go get it. It's on his Instagram. So um, I, he sent it to me. I'll send you a screenshot. Somebody made a meme of a pit bull like swimming, and it had some like lame joke. And I was like, "Ah, eh, that's I see what they're trying to do, but that joke is not right." Yeah. So I I, I fixed the joke and I put it out there and uh, I put like my twist on it. So it says uh, it's got a picture of a pit bull swimming in uh, in water, and it's just a uh, just a happy smiling dog swimming in water, and it says. Um, this heroic pit bull was out to destroy the negative stereotype that pit bulls cannot swim. So he swam five miles one way just to bite a small child in the face. <laughs> now who says pit bulls can't swim after that five miles one way? He went there and back to disprove that negative stereotype that pit bulls can't swim. They're hefty dogs, small paws, but they can swim, and that dog went out and showed the world that uh, pit bulls can swim. Amazing. Amazing. It's a story of uh, yeah. perseverance. Pers yeah, the kid yeah. was okay. Don't worry about that. Like, the important part was that that dog swam 10 miles. Killing the stereotype. was good to go. Just kill Speaking the stereotype. Of that, now, people won't rent houses. They won't rent apartments to you if you have a pit bull. No, they won't. Um... It's like having a pit bull's a pet is like a roommate with horrible credit. Like they don't want you in the building. Um, so I found a loophole. Do you want me to tell the people a loophole? Yeah, please. So I found a loophole to the system. What I do when I take my dog out for a new apartment, um, he wears this very long blonde wig. All right. I put the wig on him and I take him to the whole tour and I wait for the apartment manager to kind of like give me the eye. And I'm like, look, I know what you're thinking. 
yes, this is a pit bull, but yes, he has to wear this long blonde wig. It's because he now identifies as a golden retriever. <laughs> He's transitioning, okay? You're not going to tell him what breed he is and his little puppy heart. Take away his forever home. All right? You know I mean, I, did you not see my T-shirt? Emotional support human. That's what I wear when I take him around in the wig. And, you know. Transitioning. My little pit bull. My, I named him Mr. Worldwide. He's a great dog. He's Mr. A, Worldwide. Yeah, he's he's a very smart dog. There's like two people laughing right now that get that joke. <laughs> Pitbull the rapper joke. I know. I love it, dude. No, you and I have done a few shows together. In we fact, have. something popped up uh, yesterday on YouTube. I was I was looking for a couple of different things, little promotional videos to push the, and I came across a YouTube video of Steve and myself sitting in the hotel. In San Jose, California. Okay. When we did those shows yeah, together, the two improv. nights at the improv in San Jose. And uh, we got out there and realized that it's Silicon Valley and weren't thinking about how expensive hotels were yeah. in Silicon Valley. And they were like $459 a night. Ooh. And so that was the one time on the road me and Steve shacked up. <laughs> and uh, we weren't even like close to the venue. We were like no, way, way away. We had to haul in like 20 miles. Way away. I don't even remember shacking up with you. That's the. That's we weren't in the same bed. We had two uh, beds. But if you go back and watch the video, yours was all made up and stuff. And oh, mine that's was all I do trash. remember now. Yours looked like a yeah. junk pile. Yeah, and that's back when we used to just set the camera up and we'd shoot the podcast intro. And I, and I'd always have to tell Steve to get closer to the microphone so somebody could hear him. Yeah. We, were, we were recording the thing on a Zoom recorder for crying out loud. Look how far we've come, Ma. We're good to go. I know. We got yeah. a studio here. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's also because uh, you flew in and I drove from L.A. Thank so God you had a car. We ha- yeah, so I was say we all had to trek in my two door Honda, mm-hmm. all squeezed in with the merchandise, guitar <laughs> merchandise, Steve yeah. all folded up in the back, I'll drive remember, like twenty I'll miles I'll to the venue. Now. That was the one we got done. We had a meet and greet after the show, and this guy walks up to me the first night and he shakes my hand, hugs my neck, takes a picture. This other guy takes a picture, and he and I said because I always ask people where they're from because yeah. people drive in, you know, they come into San Jose. I figured most people weren't from San Jose, California, for this show. And uh, I he said, I said, where are you from? And he said, just two blocks from here. He said, we just came out. We want to let you know that you have gay fans. Oh. And I said, well, I, I mean, I I, I kind of knew that. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of knew that. You know, back when I first got started in this stuff and everything was viral, I got this message from this guy speaking of up in Denton who said, I will meet you and give you the best mm-mm that you've ever had. Yeah. But he didn't. It was not good at all. It was really was oh, not. Man. It was not it wasn't. <laughs> That's the kind of job you don't want to get fired from. You know what I mean? <laughs> you never quit early is no, what you do. No. Yeah, you know, pink slips. You never want to get a pink slip on that no. job. No, no, on the hand or blow. Like it's. Uh, <laughs> you need to be a good worker. So you get fired from that. Stay horned. Yeah, yeah. Like if somebody quits early on that, Stay bro. Horned. Nah, it's not good. <laughs> I like it. That was a great time in San Jose. It was. Um, that was a cool improv. It was an old theater, actually, remember? That yeah. they turned into an improv. So yeah, we were talking about the other day. Uh, I was on the phone. I was over in Nashville. I was on the phone with a comedian friend of ours, Reno Collier. And uh, we were talking about improvs. And, and I told him, I said, that's the best one I've ever been in. Because, you know, you've got the brick back wall that's the iconic sign of the improv or yep. whatever. But but that place, I mean, that thing was built in like 1914. It's funny. Every every. Every venue I go into, every old theater, either Charlie Chaplin's been there, Houdini's been there, or Elvis started there, right? <laughs> and it's always haunted. And Pryor did cocaine at some time, yeah. at some point in yeah. there. I don't <laughs> know Set why himself on fire. That legend is in like every comedy club. Yeah. Like, Richard Pryor was here. He did cocaine on One that One day they're going to say that about me. <laughs> Chad Prather was here. 
And he what's the tagline with? Menu. <laughs> what's the tagline? Chad was here. Yeah, it's just it. Chad just, was here. Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, no one in history is ever going to say that. Nobody's there. Like, there's going to be no posters of me. You know, no no caricature posters of me in there. That was a cool place. It was a cool place. And it supposedly it was haunted. I do remember that now. Everybody says their theater's haunted. So we do all these 100-year-old theaters, these renovated places, and they're fabulous, and they're gorgeous places, but they'll always be like, and we have a ghost. And I've only been in one place across the country where I saw something that I was like, okay, it's time to pack up and go. Like, it's time to get up. Okay, what was this? Well, because this lady was talking, it was up in Oklahoma, and she was telling us about the ghost, and they always have a name for him. Well, his name is Earl, and you know, he lives, he's, every now and then he just kind of moves the curtains and stuff. And so anyway, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, all of the knobs on the soundboard just started doing no. all this stuff like that. No. And, and I'm uh, like, he's calling out the facts. Like, I can understand, like, if you cut it off and everything just kind of came down, because some automated soundboards will do that. Yeah. No, this one was, like, doing this stuff, like this. And I was like, nah, time to go. This show's over. Got to go. Got to go. Out. <laughs> you weren't just hallucinating on that 3% beer in Oklahoma? <laughs> nope. What? No, no. the 2-3. The 3-2. No, I, 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 they were, they wanted me to stay in the, in the, they had a little apartment attached to the, the theater. And so they said, you just stay here. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to drive 23 miles to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I need to hook up with Earl tonight. Like, hmm. You know, it reminds me of, you know, Thanksgiving when I was a kid. But I. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He just, he just passed over that. a very important fact right there. You and Earl Thanksgiving when you were a uh, kid. Uncle Earl. <laughs> Uncle Earl. Uncle Earl. His Earl eyes look just like Santa Claus. <laughs> his eyes look like Santa Claus? Yeah. I, mean, just I, never, I never could figure out when Santa Claus was there. He looked just like, his eyes looked just like Uncle Earl. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> Sitting on his lap was the same too. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Extra bumpy. <laughs> You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> what Tell do you want for you Christmas, want. little boy? <laughs> Not this. <laughs> My Christmas wishes come true already. Ho, ho, ho. We, no. just, we just made a left turn down. Don't I go know, there, Alec. Memory, memory, oh, I was going to say memory lane. My bad. Uh, what I remember about doing that is uh, you go you go to these deals. Where were we at? We were in, uh, where were we, Steve? We were in Des Moines. We went in this theater, or was it Dubuque? Des Moines, Dubuque, Des Moines, Dubuque. It was Des Moines. We we're in Des Moines, Iowa, and we're doing a show, and there's bats in the theater. Ooh, yeah. They're flying past. We had two theaters that had bats in them. Yeah, but these were like, they nets. were, they, so these guys had a net, like a fishing net, <laughs> yeah. and they went up in the balcony. They caught one, like they did. They swatted and caught one, and the other one just kind of, he was, they couldn't get to him. So he just flew around all night and all night. Oh. So the week before, they had Brian Regan in there doing a show, yeah. and it was dive bomb. They were dive bombing. <laughs> Somehow these bats kept getting into the theater, and they were dive bombing him. And so the whole night, I was like, you know, I could see this thing all of a sudden just kind of go through. The bats were not comedy fans or what? They're just... I don't know. But but they were light fans, and the only light was on me, so they were like all uh, over okay. the place. But there were no mosquitoes in the room, so that was good. Yeah, they were hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were. There's no bugs to eat, we like, think, in these those theaters. Des Moines, those Des Moines mosquitoes aren't like Texas mosquitoes. I've seen a Texas mosquito stand flat-footed and hump a turkey. <laughs> that, that's, that's a mouthful right there. That's a lot of mosquitoes. A whole turkey? Yeah. A frozen or a live turkey? No, humping the turkey. Okay. Not, not one that, look, if you've ever humped a butterball, that's a whole other deal. <laughs> Steve, don't, Steve, don't, don't say we, nothing. We started with Steve, your holiday parties. Don't say anything. I'm not going to. About humping a butterball. <laughs> He's like, there's butter in all the right places, let me tell you. They said inject it. <laughs>
They say, get the turkey baster. I got mine. How did we've already made like three third leg jokes in this yeah. podcast? Wait, There's a lot of trap pots. Not even going 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah, no. We got, well, here it is. Here it dong is. talk. You need a, woman, you need a woman, get, woman on this. <laughs> when you get guys that go on stage and do comedy together, think like, I, okay, so let me ask you a question. Let's talk about comedy for a second. So I did, I did, I want your, I, just, I want a, your serious take on a couple of things. Got it. So I did, um, which, by the way, you guys got to go see Tyson in, in any show he does. I don't care where he is across the country. you got to see Tyson Pfeiffer. I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a minute. That's super, super interesting that just fascinates me about Tyson. But um, besides the comedy, and I'm going to tell you some things. But anyway, so I did Harmon Leon, who's going to come on the podcast again. Okay. He'll be a repeater. He's super liberal, super left. He is uh, an um, insertion journalist. I don't mean to allude back to the butterball, butter okay. but he, he inserts himself into scenarios. They call him gonzo journalists. Okay. So he's a comedian. Yep. But he's super left of left of center, you know, just way out there uh, left and hates Donald Trump. OK, fine. Great. Um, but he's a gonzo journalist who goes out and he joins these people and then he comes. It acts like he's one of them. Like he'll join the KKK. Oh, OK. Join Westboro Baptist Church. Yep. He'll join some kind of hate group, you know, like, you know, you might go join Antifa or some kind of deal. But he'll go out there and do this, and then he'll come back and write from the perspective of having been one of them. Got it, from being on the inside. Yeah. Okay. So infiltration journalists is what they're called. So uh, he's been on the podcast before. He's going to come back on. So he just recently did an article about um, conservative comedians. And you're you're not either way. You're just yeah. a comedian. I'm pretty middle. Yeah, you're you're just either way. Yeah. And uh, I'm a conservative commentator, and I'm just a whatever comedian. I'm not even a comedian. I just tell stories. But here's the thing. So he wanted to know. He, he one of his questions was. He says liberal comedians tend to punch up, while conservative comedians punch down. Now, those who don't understand mm. that language, that means that you go after the powers that be if you're liberal. Is what he was saying. If you punch up, you're going after the powers above you, like you're picking on the the system, the man. Yeah. Whereas you're picking on the weak if you punch down, like you're some people that can't defend themselves. Like you're you're like let's say if you're going to make fun of somebody in a wheelchair. Yeah. Okay, that would be punching down. Punching down. And people see that as inappropriate. And I said, well, I don't think comedy has to be about punching at all. I think just just whatever. If it's funny, do it. Do you think that way? I mean, do you ever look at a joke and go, "Am I punching up or punching down on this?" From my writing standpoint, yes, I yeah. definitely um, look at if it's a punch up or punch down. Um, but I was just kind of got my mind thinking about the you know liberal versus conservative like comedy. I think it's interesting that he feels that a, a liberal comedian always punches up. Exactly. But I think it's because it's just all in their setup. They set it up that they're coming from this point of view, so they're on the bottom, um, and then they're they're punching up. I mean, they could easily flip it the other way. Yeah. Um, so I think I, it's just. I, I look at it. It, it too, So he did he, the story. He interviewed me he, and, and he was talking about Nick DiPaolo. OK. Nick DiPaolo, who's a conservative comedian. Yep. Nick DiPaolo came out with a special recently where he was giving the finger to a bunch of leftist groups. And it just happened to be Nick didn't know this. I mean, Nick wasn't his own art designer. OK. Yeah. But he was giving the finger to these protesters. One of the protesters was a BLM member who got killed by a police officer. And so he was given the finger. It well, Nick didn't know, he, yeah. you know, but they were, of course, he caught hell and they had to change the artwork because it, that's inappropriate. Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, the podcast, but but I actually answered, he interviewed me. We talked about it. And uh, 
But that's what I said. I'm like, you know, look, just be funny. I mean, I, it, it, to say that liberals are always punching up, it kind of flies. I, and I named off a lot of comedians that I said, you know, they 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 had left of center po- politics yeah. and they're very well known. But they picked on people. Yeah, that's a punch down. Yeah. I mean, ridiculing people, mocking people is, in a sense, the job description. Yeah. Now, bullying is not. Eh, depends on the person. Yeah, I agree. But come on. Comedy is supposed to explore the dark crevices, the secret places of humanity. Like the things that you're not willing to go into yourself. You go to a comedy club. To, what, what do people say to you? Hey, I'm going to sit on the front row. Don't pick on me. All the time. But and then I come back and I tell them, no, the front row is the best place to sit to watch comedy because yeah. you get to see all the little nuances and the small parts of the show, the little taglines, the little things under the breath uh, that a comedian will say that you won't get if you're sitting in the back. Right. So you are part of the experience. You've got you're, a, you're part of the show. You're part of the show if you're in that front couple rows that the mm-hmm. comedians can see. Because a lot of people forget that we can only see three, maybe four rows deep, and the rest is just black abyss because of so stage lights. You recall back last December, we did the show here at Grand Prairie, Texas. We had 3,500 people in that room. Yeah, that was, was a amazing. massive room, right? Yep. So well, you can't see that crowd. No. You can see the first couple rows. That's about yep. it. It's so different from doing a comedy club versus doing this. Now you're doing this theater slash almost arena. It's yeah. huge. And I, you know, I enjoy going into some of these smaller crowds and looking at them and having a conversation with a couple that's, you know, up close and Stuff like that, but you're right. But that's, they always say that though. Don't pick on me. Yeah. Why? But they want picked on though. I think they do. I think I you're think right. I think they do. I think they do. But but the idea of that is that's what comedy is about. You take a Don Rickles, you take a Brad Garrett, the more present day, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a Robbie on Ray Romano. On yep. Everybody loves Ray. They don't realize when they go to Brad Garrett's comedy club in MGM Grand, he's an insult comic. Yeah. He's going to he's going to offend you. Yeah. I mean, he's brutal. He'll rip your head off. I mean, bad. Yeah. And poop down your neck. <laughs> Wouldn't it be like going to a, a Gallagher uh, show and not wanting to get watermelon on you? Yeah, that's a great, that's that's a great analogy. Why you watermelon? <laughs> yeah, that's racist. Sean. Police smashes watermelon. What about pineapples? Why does it have to be watermelon? Right why does it have to be watermelon, Sean? Why does it have to be racist Sean. to everything? Sean, why does this got to be around You're the one who told me I have rims in my car. Why do we need this much hate in our life? Wait, you have rims or you rent rims? Oh, he, well, <laughs> From Rena Center. Eighteen ninety five a big month. Rims. <laughs> hey man, I have twenty rims. Hey man, sixty months they'll be yours. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what what Eddie Murphy does in that standpoint because you know he's doing that Netflix special. Or, yeah, yeah, he's, he's doing a new special. So it's going to be interesting to see because a lot of people think is he going to be PC or is he going to go back to Eddie Murphy Raw? And it's like. Let him be Eddie Murphy Raw. Like, that's what he did. That's what everybody knows in a sense. But don't get offended by it if he comes out and says, you know, what he says. If you yeah. go back and watch Eddie Murphy Raw, if, if that came out now, people would be everybody would be offended. That's so crazy. You brought this up. Um, I had somebody at, after my show last night bring up the Eddie Murphy Raw. They're like, uh, we saw he's going to do a new special. We went back and watched Raw, and they're like, we just didn't laugh at all. And I was like, well, it's because you're thinking of it in today's comedy world where we have so much comedy, we watch so much comedy, um, we're much smarter about uh, punchlines and setups and the way comedy flows. So watching something from back then, it doesn't really translate. But you got to yeah. think of like in a time capsule, like imagine if you were back in that day and that came out, it's like, whoa, I've never heard anybody say this or talk like yeah. that. So that's why it was great and amazing, but it doesn't hold up, so to speak, over time. Oh, no. Um, but going back to that real quick to jump back in, <laughs> I think this is just what I think. I think Eddie Murphy is just going to uh, – 
be similar like he was in Raw, just exactly what Andrew Dice Clay is doing right now. I just saw him. Um, he came through Dallas here, and I popped in just to see if he was doing anything different in Texas versus what he was doing in L.A. And it's nope, it's the exact same stuff. It's just the same Dice Man, like from the 80s. Yeah. He has a point of view. He sets it up. Uh, there's no left turn. Whatever he sets up, you're like, oh, he's going to say this. And yep, that's, that's what, what he said. Well, that's, yeah. what you, that's what you're going to get. I mean, you're not, you're not going to say, hey, let's get Eddie Murphy, and he's going to tone it down. Like, you don't get Chris Rock and say, he's going to tone it down. Like, this, they're well, going to be the same comedians they are. Not. Eddie Murphy has a style. He's not going to come in and start telling knock-knock jokes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. He's not going to tone it down. I mean, here's a guy who has nothing to lose. You take Chappelle. So when Chappelle came back after his whatever went on that was crazy and, and he kind of embarrassed himself and kind of went into hiding for a minute and he came out and he did that deal, mm. you know, out in L.A., he did the, the Showtime special. Yeah, the Netflix ones. And, he did four oh Netflix specials. Yeah. But, but the first one back that he did at the Palladium – Hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, hilarious. When he's talking about the first time I met OJ, yeah. second time I met OJ, you know, you're doing this stuff. It was great, but it was Chappelle, mm-hmm. and people wanted Chappelle. That's what they wanted. And you said something a long time ago about – then it stuck with me. I've used it over and over and over and over again. At this point, I'm taking credit for yeah, it. That's okay? fine. That's fine. About how people who do comedy, they sort of get grandfathered in. Yeah. Like Eddie Murphy – He's grandfathered in. Daniel Tosh grandfathered 100%. in. 100%. You know, um, yeah. these guys that really pushed the envelope, they they were in before everybody started getting uh, thin-skinned. Yep. So you go to uh, one of those shows, you expect to get that. Yep. You I know, agree. Sam Kennison was still alive. Richard Pryor was still alive. Red Fox was still alive. You would go to those shows expecting to get that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Don Rickles was alive. You'd expect to get that. If Bill uh, Cosby's... Was <laughs> Have you seen his sets in prison? Hey man, let me tell you something. He is badass in the cafeteria. He's crushing that lunchroom. Way in the cafeteria. <laughs> you gonna eat that gravy? You gotta put a pill in the gravy. Like a pudding, even if it's a pudding. The and commissary so, is nothing but jello. Get <laughs> the pudding in the jello. And so I. Uh... Hey 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 hey. Uh, <laughs> I still love Bill Cosby still, one of the greatest comics of all time. I mean, one of the greatest storytellers of all time. You go back and and, and, and listen to his, uh, his uh, oh, God, what was the name of that album? Dad Gummit, where he talks about, anyway, I won't get into it. It's Ridiculousness, wasn't it? Was yeah. that an album? I know that's a show now. with Yeah, it was an album. He had the album, Ridiculousness. It was mm-hmm. great. So anyway, it talks about Sheldon Leonard. Sheldon Leonard. Uh, anyway. That's but that's a fact. These days, people who come on, if they've never heard of you before, you have to obey the rules, or at least they want you to. Yeah. That's why I, I go ahead and tell people right up front, and I say it on this podcast all the time, I say it from the stage, I ain't apologizing for nothing, ever. I am not, I ain't going to do a Kevin Hart because I make a gay joke and come out on Ellen and make her think she's the gay pope and can absolve sins. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not apologizing. I don't care if you're gay, straight, fat, black, white, skinny, male, female. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care, Candace. I'm going to make fun of you. I mean, I just read an article the other day about a girl who was doing a comedy show, and she made a comment about a rapper who died. And she, it was an off-color joke. It was funny. But everybody, like, she got attacked by all his fans, and like, it's too soon. It's too soon. It's like, she made a joke. It hey, was wait, funny. which one was that? It was supposed to be on Comedy Central. They pulled a, they pulled a promo down. It, yeah. She was talking about- I saw that stuff on Twitter. Yeah. It was funny. It was a, when I saw it, I was like, that's actually pretty it funny. It was funny. You got to laugh at it. If you're offended, then walk away. Like, turn around and just walk, leave it alone. Like, you don't tell somebody you should, you, you should apologize. She, of course, came but, out and apologized. But let me just say this before I forget it. You made a great point. You have to interpret people in light of the times they live in. Yep. 
Right? Okay, that go that's throughout all of history. Eddie Murphy was an eighties comic, not you know, whatever. And then he became an actor and he was doing all that stuff. But but as an eighties comic, he was he was cutting edge. He was that. And and so people go back and watch that. That's one thing. But let's look at something that's universal. We laugh at death. We laugh at death. Why would you have the Darwin Awards? Why would you write books and do videos and all this stuff about the Darwin Awards and people go, Oh, you're talking about somebody who killed themselves in a stupid way. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Right? It's funny. So it's funny. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, put a jumper cable around his toes and, you know, cranked the truck up. <laughs> it's it's for but, the humanity. Now we know. Don't do that. Yeah. We all learned something. So why can't you make fun of somebody that did something? Because it, 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 it was a funny joke. What you're talking about, Sean? Mm-hmm. I remember that. I forgot about it. It was on Twitter last week. Everybody's blowing up about it. Everybody's pissed off. She apologized. But most of the people were coming on going, no, it was a pretty damn funny joke. It was funny. I laughed. Yeah. Okay. So laugh at, make fun of me when I'm dead. I'll I'll be laughing too. We will. Well, I want you to. You'll outlive me. I probably won't. I'm black with high blood pressure. You got you got sickle cell? No. Sickle I'm not cell. I'm not that black. Yeah. You ain't AIDS black. <laughs> I ain't that black. You ain't going to prison get HIV? No. Oh, man. No. I'm not on the down low. <laughs> what if you take after your Asian we side just... and live to Jamaicans don't get 100. sickle cell. Candace. Ethiopians do though, Candice. I'm going to stay far away from this. Are you? No, I don't yep. care. <laughs> like I said, I, see, I don't know what people are thinking when I tell you I am not going to apologize. I'm going to make fun of everybody. I don't care. I just don't care. Yeah. The only thing I try not to do is 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 to like curse when I'm doing comedy. Like every now and then something will slip out, but just because. It just fits in that. It's not yeah. the punchline. It's an exclamation point. It's an exclamation point, or it just yeah. works. And so I, you know, like I see these guys are out there. F this, F this, F it, F ever, 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 blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's not funny. It's a common mistake for new comics. Um, they they start to get laughs when they say the F word. Yeah. And so instead of having a punchline, people are just laughing at them saying the F word, and so they just use that over and over, thinking that's their punchline. Right. Well, it's a funny word. Yeah. And and. Depending on the audience, uh, people just aren't used to hearing it all the time. Yeah. And so if someone's on stage and they're saying it, they're like, oh, that's, fu- that's and, funny. And I know what my mother's saying right now. It's not a funny word. No, the reason it's funny is it's funny to the human brain because it is a one-syllable word that ends in a K. Yeah. And that just, boom, that hard stop is like, <laughs> it kind of gives you that place to laugh. Yeah. It's a weird psychological phenomenon. Yep. You know, the words hard that end sound. in T, K, and P or in one syllable are, are fun to laugh at. That hard K sound at the beginning or the end of a, of a word is just funny. Yeah. And it just comes through the microphone and just hits you like, yeah. oh, yeah. okay. Great Waking guys. me up. Shut up, Sean. Sorry. Sean doesn't cuss. Sean doesn't drink. He don't do weed no more. Look at him. Can you believe no, this No man? more? No more. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, Look at a, him. Is, is that fact or are you He's still... drinking that Flint, Michigan water over there. Mm. <laughs> it's honey golden brown. <laughs> I peed in a cup. <laughs> Pee in a cup. That'd be fun. I'm for my CO. I'm sorry. <laughs> you ever been arrested, Sean? No. Steve, you've been arrested? Twice. You've been arrested? Never been arrested. I've been arrested a couple times. Why why why's a black man gotta have an innocent record? Why? <laughs> I'm pure. <laughs> Easy, Malcolm X. <laughs> Why is Malcolm X the first thing? Because okay. I don't know. But, you know, whatever. We just went down Crazy Street for a while. Well, I love Crazy Street. It's where I live and I hang out there. You and, but you can't stay on Crazy Street. No, you can't. How much improv do you do? And I say, when I say improv, I don't mean like 
improv improv. I mean, like when you're on stage, because you've been doing comedy a long time. I've heard your sets. I've heard it, and it's funny stuff. And and you have the bits that are your classic bits. But yep. how often do you are you on stage in the and you're in the crowd and the crowd all of a sudden influences you? And you're like, you say something, and like, damn, that was funny. Every every show. Yeah. So uh, I've been doing stand up over ten years, um, ten and a half years. Um, and so it's very important to be in the moment at every single show. So if something happens, um, you have your set, you know these jokes crush, but uh, you say this big punchline and say a lady just yells something out or the, the waitress drops a tray of glasses, um, to be in that moment and address that um, is just a super stand-up skill that takes a while yeah. to develop. So every single show, like if somebody came and saw my show, every, all five shows in a weekend, um, a lot of the material would be the same, but every show would be slightly different because yeah. – in the moment, you never know what's going to happen. Somebody in the front row could be wearing this crazy, ridiculous outfit, and that takes over the show somehow. And if they're a good sport and they're into it, everything just calls back to that moment. So yeah. it's a totally different show um, that one night. That's what's great about the live show. It's a live show. You never know what's going to happen. It's going to be different every time you see it. I've had situations where people who have been to my shows multiple times, and they've heard stories multiple times, and they want to start shouting out the punchline or saying the punchline before you do it. Yes. And then what you have to do is I've had to learn to reroute around and then come back and work back up to that. And if you can do it in the right way, improvisationally, then people will forget that they heard somebody shout that out. Yep. Maybe you can get a laugh out of it. But don't do that. If you go to a show, don't do that. Yeah, I have. Um, it's a bit. I don't do it a lot anymore, but it was very well known in, when I lived in Texas, the bit about Truck Month. I oh, love Truck Month. My favorite Texas holiday. It happens 12 times a year. So I repeat <laughs> the word Truck Month several times in that bit. And people, truck Month happens 12 times a yeah, year. Yeah, only 12 times a year, and we love it every month. It's like, uh -huh. what are we doing? Are we celebrating Truck Month again? Truck, yeah. <laughs> Just have a, have a good time with Truck But so uh, it was usually... Um, Women in their 40s having a girls' night, probably tipsy on the rosé all day, uh, will start yelling out, yeah. you know, the punchline or truck month, but right before I say it, because they've heard that bit like so many times. Right. And then it just kind of throws the bit off and have to be like, oh, that's what happens when you bring your mom to the show. Kind of pick yeah. on them for a little bit, be in that moment. And uh, it's kind of like you're doing a magic trick. You're like, all right, I got this going over here. But audience, I need you to look over here just real quick so I could finish this <laughs> over yeah. here. And then whoo, pull the rug out from under them and yeah. bring them back to the truck month celebration. People always, they ask about hecklers. And they, they say, you know, comedy clubs, I, I've been fortunate enough that I kind of have a built-in audience from the social media stuff that I've done. People, they know what they're coming to get. Yep. They bought a ticket. They don't want to come in there and do all that. I, when I do comedy clubs, a lot of my crowd, they've never been in a comedy club. Yep. Like, they have no concept of a two-drink minimum. Yeah. Right? No, they were but, two drinks in before they got in the door, though. Yeah, That's exactly. what I love about your audience. Exactly. They're, and they're there to have a good time. They got I mean, they're red. in the truck. Yeah, yeah they, they got <laughs> a flask mark. in their boot. I was going to say, yeah, they brought their own flask. They took their gun out, put the, whole, put the <laughs> flask in the holster. <laughs> they patted me down, took my Ruger away, but I got my... Got my whiskey here. I ain't got no German gun like no Ruger's gun. Oh, sorry. No, they, I don't know they, why that came to mind first. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny the messages I get from people who were packing in a show. You had an incident the other night at the show with the lady that was like no expression whatsoever. In the, oh, the one yeah. That in was in Athens, Georgia, the Georgia Theater, which I went to school, University of Georgia. Georgia Theater has a ton of history there. And so now that's my second show at Georgia Theater, and to see my name in the marquee on that thing is just like. But it was it was Chad Prather, and then down below me the Booty Boys. 
So it was Chad Prather, <laughs> and the next night was the Booty Boys. And I was like, yeah, that's that's a band right there. You should whatever. Start something, it's going to be Chad Prather. You're and like, the Booty can you Boys. just go back on the marquee and put and the underneath my name? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, what a combo, Chad Prather and the Booty Boys. Uh, but you were talking about hecklers. But we were talking about hecklers. So I was sitting, there was this lady who was there, and she was not having a, I mean, by all purposes, by all intents and purposes, she wasn't having a good time. She was having a blast. She was just deadpan. Yeah. And so I started picking on her. I started I started messing with her and her husband. She was a huge fan. The guy that was with her had never heard of me. Okay. He was laughing his ass off. She was just deadpan. So then we I started picking on her a little bit, and she came around. Well, she sent me a message, and they said, best show I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, tell your face. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, so my thing was with hecklers, <laughs> I don't get a ton of it. I, but I get people that get drunk and they just want to talk back to you, yeah. and they want to, or, they, or then they want to walk up. To, I've had women that want to walk up the stage and just stand there, have a conversation. I think one of the shows we did, somebody, a woman walked up there and threw something on stage, yeah. and then I know definitely one time a woman walked up there and I think brought you a shot or something, and just set it on. There's stage. There's been a lot of that. Yeah. Then there was somebody that brought like a get. There was gifts. Oh no, people, I think yeah. I was there for that one, and I was like, "Is this a bomb?" Yeah, I you know, I've had dog bones for Willie that were thrown up there, That's and. Weird. Uh, People are weird. People are weird. Dude. You got a bottle of whiskey last week, and yeah, with my other... name etched in it. Yeah. Oh wow, with my name etched in the bottle. I got a, I got a Jim Beam, one of those little old whatever it's called, and it's what the white label Jim Beam came from. Nice. So yeah, uh, but do you? I, I mean, do you get a lot of that doing clubs? I get a little bit of the hecklers. Uh, the clubs kind of like shut them down. Asshole hecklers. Um, no. Stamp it. Asshole hecklers, <laughs> or. Or just people trying to have fun. I get more people just having to have fun. Yeah, uh, I've been doing stand up long enough where I know how to control the audience. Like if it's a section of the room's getting rowdy, um, can address them, calm them down, get back into the act. Um, but it's mostly people just having having fun. I did a long time ago in Fort Worth here. I did have a cholo. They got very mad. I don't know if I guess I think I do a great cholo accent. I guess he wasn't feeling it. Cholo. He didn't think it was authentic enough. And he like stood up and he was saying he wanted to fight me and there's all this stuff. It was at uh, Fort Worth Club here, Hyenas, great club. Yeah, and uh, Randy Butler's place. Yeah, they had to they had to haul him out. Uh, but he was saying he was going to kick my ass. I don't even know what set him off. Like it was just. But it's he, a funny bit. Stereotypical. Marco? Oh, yeah, the Marco Cholo. Yeah, Marco Cholo. That's my favorite. I grew up uh, playing Marco Cholo. <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> swimming. <laughs> all the neighborhood kids. We got together in the pool. We uh, played Marco Cholo in our Jenkos. It was I the nineties. So well, you know, that's that goes back to comedy has to be a little offensive usually. It's usually yeah. offensive well, it to someone. To like I've got a bit that that uh I did at a private event. I do this event about getting your toes painted. You know, women who get their they get their summer toes. You get your yeah. winter toes that you don't mess with because nobody's gonna see them. Yeah. Because you're wearing shoes and you go to get your winter you get your summer toes and these girls they know the fourth of July is coming, so they get a you know, a, a flag painted on you know, red, white, and blue. Yeah. I want an American flag on a big toe and then blue, red, blue, red, and all this stuff. And I said, next time you go see a nail technician, put your foot up there and tell her I want a Vietnamese flag on the big toe because yeah. she's been waiting her whole life to hear that. I mean, so I do this whole – I do the Vietnamese accent and stuff like that, which is horrible, but that's part of what's funny about it. And I was yeah. doing this event down in Houston, and I look over, and there's this Vietnamese woman sitting there, and she was totally deadpan. I was like, bitch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she was upset that she didn't think of that. Like she should have it on her nail station, like the different Some flags. Someday <laughs> my dream will come. You know? <laughs> she's like, I am certified yeah, to paint – these flags in on your toes and she has like a whole like stand maybe she was just upset <laughs> <Burn> time, <mom! laughs> 
Yeah, stay horned. Anyway, so here's the deal. What's your bet? Like, do you have certain come? Like, if somebody gets rowdy as a heckler, do you have certain go to, like, put them in their place things? No, I some always, people are good at that. Yeah, security. Yeah, security. <laughs> um, I mean, these days that's what it is. They yeah. don't want hecklers. Yeah. So if you're, especially if you're coming in a theater, and we've had people who just like I can't imagine somebody who bought a ticket a month ago comes in. They're so blitzed from alcohol, they can't enjoy the show. And they're belligerent, and they don't have any clue where they are. And security has to go, come get them, drag them out. I think I've only and they had, puke in the lobby. Oh, we've I've had a had, couple of those. I've had well, I've only had one in last three years that I told security, yes, he has to go right yeah. now. Wow. Because they always ask me, they're like, because doing theaters, they're like, okay, what do you want us to do? And I said, let them go until it becomes problematic. Because yeah. I don't mind from the stage just saying, okay, you got to go. Yeah. I'm going to ru- give you a grace. They're ruining the show for all everyone else that bought a ticket. Everybody bought a ticket. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not that one person's show. Yeah. Um, I don't really have like a go-to line. I just It's just in the moment. And so what I try and do is when I'm shutting down a heckler, I work it into the bit that I'm doing or mm-hmm. a bit I'm about to do. So it looks like... It's a good idea. So it looks like I'm doing a callback mm-hmm. when I get to that bit or um, the current bit that I'm in, I use that to shut them down. So if I was like doing truck month, for example, somebody yelled out something inappropriate. I was like, finally, the one person that hates truck month, you know, like I would try and bring him back into that bit to shut them down, give them, get the audience on my side and want them all to shut up. Um, So they got their attention they wanted. They know it's not wanted and for them to to shut down to make it all look like seamless yeah so that's what i try and do i haven't had to call security on somebody in years what is it do you think it's weird that we have this this desire to make ourselves so vulnerable on a public stage in front of strangers it is weird um but i'm a junkie of the adrenaline yeah um if i go up and have a great set i'm killing it um adrenaline is pumping through my body till late it's hard to sleep that night yeah, it's just you're just on a totally different high. Well, we've traveled, you know. Steve, Steve will tell you more than anybody that sometimes I just don't feel good before a show. Like I've traveled, I'm tired, and Steve's tired, and all this stuff. And then you're like, oh god, I just don't want to. I just want to go to bed. You know, I just don't want anyone to do it. I just don't. Even, I physically don't feel good. But then right there, five minutes before you're going on stage, and you can hear them out there. Yep. And you know this thing's coming. It's like something that adrenaline or whatever it is just flows through you, and there's like a healing process. Yeah. Because I don't have stage fright. I don't, I don't get nervous. Yeah. I've never had that. I don't have that. And I mean, nothing wrong if you do. I just don't. I have other issues, but I don't have the stage fright thing. So, but just that adrenaline hits you, and it's ED. like, ooh, like all of a sudden I, I can feel it. What'd you say? ED. I got ED. <laughs> GetRoman.com. I don't uh-huh. when I take GetRoman.com. Uh-huh. Yeah. Shameless plug. It, well, I mean, you know, not only am I. A promoter, I'm a patient and a customer. <laughs> so I, <laughs> whatever it takes, it all, time up. all comes back to the third leg. Yeah, well, it is. It's always <laughs> see that's that's a callback. <laughs> that's what I'm doing here. There we go. Quit explaining. Your man's explaining the comedy. I know. I know. <laughs> Don't make me spread my legs, Tyson. There it is. There it is. Right there, man's playing. No, but it's uh, exactly what you're what you're saying. I've had. I've had that too, but I live to be on stage, yeah. and um, it's that weird moment, um, especially if I'm about to do my hour, where I'm kind of like, all right, I want to reshuffle these jokes and see how they work, and then right before you go on stage, your mind is blank. You're just like, what the hell am I going to say? What am I going to open with? And as soon as they call your name out, and it's just like, dun, 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 and it's just like laser focus, and you're just out there yeah. uh, just like crushing it. 
But you don't do like a set list. I, I know, do do a set list. Do you? Yeah. Like um, you write one out. Yeah, it's just comedy. Uh, kind of the Dean but, Lewis. Just my a comedy poster mentor. that says "Do comedy." Yeah, do comedy. Make it funny. Do, make it funny. Do comedy. No, I like to write it out like a like tracks of a song. I know a lot of people who do that. I've never it's, done um, it. I, I've never done it. The only thing I've ever written down is if I'm, I'm working on a new song and I and like I'll write these songs and I'll do the guitar or whatever and and I'll know I'll forget certain lyrics. Okay. And so I might write those down and put them just in case I need a little hint yeah. back to that one line I have trouble with. And the way I write all my bits, I write one bit to flow into the other bit to make the entire act look like it's a casual conversation with the audience. Um, so I know certain chunks, um, the way that they flow, but I still write them out, especially if I'm inserting something new. So that way I just don't have that muscle memory kick in and be like, okay, I'm talking about Pitbull and I'm talking about possibly owning a child. Like, I know those flow together, but if I want to insert something about driving my Jeep in between, um, so anything new, yeah. I just write it out, and I kind of have a photographic memory. Like, when I'm going through my set in my head, it's just boom, boom, boom. Because there's so many things that go through my head when I'm on stage. Um, actual telling the joke, like, at that point, I'm on autopilot. I know it's going to go. I'm scanning the room. I was like, all right, stage right is hot. Stage left, I need to bring them up. There's yeah. a crazy drunk lady in the back. I was like, oh, it's about to be the check drop. The waitresses are walking. So I'm analyzing all this stuff as I'm telling the jokes in case I need to adjust on the fly. So it's just uh, the muscle memory kicking in of those jokes. So I was like, yeah. you no, know, this is the punchline. This is where I pause. This is where I act out. It's just so that way it's flawless. And the audience has no idea that um, I've done that a thousand times. Yeah. No, that's the key. I always say that um, spontaneity takes a lot of practice. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, to make it look like it's effortless. It, yeah. yeah, it takes a lot of practice. I still get asked all the time. People say, uh, so do you just make it up? It looks like you're just making it up up there. It's like, that's the magic. That's, that's how I know I had a good set. That's the magic. That's how I know I had a good set. If people think that I'm just winging it up there. Yeah. That's my life. Just winging it? That's yeah. your life. <laughs> or fake winging it. You're, you you got it, man. Hang yeah. on. I got to sneeze. Oh, uh, it's party time, Mom. All you got to do. Salute. And look at and look at Sean and just know he's winging it. He's winging it. They're winging it. He's in stage one. Stage the, one uh, still. Yeah, he's in life one. It gets better from here, bro. Hopefully. All you gotta do is die. You go to life two. You get try it. A better. Not before me though. Uh, that's the science of it. it. And I encourage people go to the comedy clubs, man. Go out to a show because people think about going to music concerts. Yep. A lot of times it doesn't cross your mind on a Friday or Saturday night. Hello, Wednesday, Thursday night. Go to the comedy clubs. Go out there and have a laugh. I think that's what we need, you know, and, and listen to things that could potentially offend you. You know, I listen to Jim Jeffries. I mean, God knows. I, you know, like you take, I don't know why he popped into my head, but he does this whole thing. He's Australian. He yep. talks about America's gun control and things like that and the Second Amendment and all these. And, and it's stuff that I don't agree with, but my God, it's funny stuff. Yeah. You know, to have an Australian lecture an American about the Second Amendment, the first thing you want to do is, I don't like this guy. He didn't know. He's Australian. Just laugh at it. It's a perspective. Enjoy it. It's okay. You know, I can listen to Ricky Gervais. I can can listen to – I can go back and listen to George Carlin. He influenced me, man. You know, that that fast, rapid style of George Carlin influenced me and my wife's always quoting George Carlin and I'll be like, Oh, come on. Don't Carlin me. But I mean, you know, Carlin was the way he was. He, he yeah. looked at the world a certain way. I can laugh at it. I tell that to my wife. Like I tell her like, cause she hates Bill Burr. And I think he's hilarious. Love like, Bill Burr. Love so this, this one, she's like, he's like, cause he always knocks religion. And she's, she always like, she takes it, takes it to heart. I'm like, 
But he's funny. You just got to get past that. Just listen to the comedy and enjoy it for the moment. What yeah, it like is. Just let, let your identity. Here's the key to it, I think, is just let your identity go for a minute. Let your identity. You know who you are. Yep. Like if you're secure in who you are, let those convictions just kind of hang out. Just kind of open your chest. Let your heart come out and then go. For what it was, it was funny. It was funny. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, Bill Burr talks, he's got that bit about, you know, people wearing these, you know, wounded veteran hats and the, the stickers. He goes, well, it doesn't matter that the transmission fell out of the Jeep you're working on in Kansas <laughs> while you're on base. You know, you never went overseas, but you're a wounded veteran. I mean, you are. Okay, so you catch hell for that, but that's funny. Yeah. Right? That's funny because how many of these guys you see out there? And- I caught hell because I said there's a difference between a disabled veteran and a veteran who is disabled. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Of course, you called hell for it's it. It's like, because then, look, we don't dishonor vets. I mean, no, God, no, we got a we got a track record and a resume. We people know anybody that wants to know knows that we we do a lot friends. for the vet community. But, but I'm just saying. Did he say he has black friends? He not a single one. He's a lie. He's got a half black Sean. Sean has no black friends. Every now and then, Sean will come back and tell me what Tyrone said, and I'm like, I've never seen this Tyrone. <laughs> I have never seen this Tyrone. You keep telling me what Tyrone said. I don't Tyrone. know Tyrone. I've never seen Tyrone. <laughs> I mean, look at Sean. Sean's face is blending into that black backdrop right there. The only thing you see is his blue shirt and his teeth. Look at the screen, Sean. 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 You mean you want smile light on me then? <laughs> I don't care. I ain't apologizing to nobody, man. Open your heart up and let yourself laugh a little. Yes. That's what we're missing. That's what it, People we need take it, it personal. You write a joke. That's you told me really dark. I'm not that dark. You're dark. I'm kind of light. I'm kind of fair skinned actually. It's a little Chinese. Yeah, but you've been to the beach. You went yeah, to the right. beach. The you forget the black people tan. I do tan a little bit. You tan. Yellow. I got a bare ass picture of you. It's the screensaver on my phone. Yeah. When I open up my phone, there's Sean's bare ass standing on the beach with his pants pulled down. It's a cute butt. It's a cute butt. It's a sweet country apple. I would drive up in the trees, in the woods, to get a bite out of it, is what I'm saying. It's a dark apple, but I do love me and Granny Smith. You know what I mean? If Granny Smith was Harriet Tubman. They should have an apple called the Harriet Tubman. That's what they should have. (laughs) Did you see the new Harriet Tubman trailer? It tastes bitter, but whatever. You saw the new Harriet Tubman trailer? People pissed off! I thought it was going to be Scarlett Johansson. Where she was going to be, Scarlett Johansson was going to play. Scarlett Johansson going to be the new Harriet Tubman. She, I thought she was going to do it. She was going to. Why not? She was going to go all uh, 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 X-Men on them oh, okay. or whatever she was in. Avengers. She's going to. She'd be like, like putting guys in a scissor lock with her legs and swinging them over. Sing all the hymns Here's and stuff all these, too. Here's Confederate dudes <laughs> flopping over. She, she's going to go all Natasha, whatever her name was. <laughs> Russian Tubman. <laughs> Russian Tubman. We have derailed so many times. It doesn't matter. I love it. It's part time. Stay on. We we uh, here's the thing, man. You got so people are pissed off because they cast a black woman from Britain to play Harriet Tubman, and everybody's like, "That ain't my Harriet." Are you serious? Yeah, they're mad. You know the two minute trailer. It looks like a great. Yeah, movie. it's gonna be a good movie. It's a great movie. Is it historically accurate? We'll see. Probably not. She rescued, what, 17, 19 people, which is fantastic, through the Underground Railroad. They have this thing like they she was just running people, running people, running people. No, she was 17, 19 people, which oh. is significant. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Heroic for a woman who, who went to a free place and came back to a land of slavery to free people. That's a fantastic thing. So we'll see how, you know, what revisionist history happens. But I don't care. But, I mean, come on. Give me a break. These people are overreaching. I mean, the real Harriet Tubman, you think she would give a crap what somebody's accent was? No. 
I mean, this does is it matter. People, it's called people, acting. People yeah. have no point of reference when it comes to suffering. No, they don't. You know what I mean? If you're gonna get upset because a British person's playing or whatever, it's you dumb. mean like Chernobyl? Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> you didn't. I like wasn't it offended by it, but I didn't like it. I liked the show, but I didn't like British people playing Russians. At least give me a Russian accent. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> English, though. But give me subtitles. Like, I don't like, like subtitles. Like Kevin Costner playing some... Robin Hood. With Listen, when you British. look at those French films and those girls are naked and you're trying to look at them naked and read what they're saying, that does not work for me. That is a horrible idea. French subtitles are terrible I, on Cinemax. Nobody in my family can watch TV without subtitles. It's not because well, that's because you're stupid. No, it's not because they're deaf either. It's because I am, and so... Y'all have heard they me say before, to, I've watched all the Bridget Jones diary movies three times. I don't know what the hell they're saying. I don't know. They say they're speaking English. They need the subtitles because they're watching on their phone on the toilet. That's why <laughs> <laughs> That's why subtitles were invented on. You know, it's all comedy videos and stuff now. Everything's Everything for your phone. It's got subtitles. So people are watching on the toilet. I think you talked yeah. about this before. Uh, that's true. Everyone's just sitting there, and they don't that's want true. their pe- person in the stall next door or whatever to know they're watching a video. It's hard to watch comedy in subtitles. Yeah, so they're just... <laughs> it really is. But like dry bar comedy. I mean, they, Brad... Uh, 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 dang it! What's Brad? is that still on? I haven't Brad seen any to... oh, yeah, videos from them in yeah. a long buddy, time. Uh, our buddy, uh, uh, Chad. Uh, you know what, man? They got some funny people on there. They, they do. They do the. They do the. Brad Upton and the whole deal, and they do the um, subtitles on it. You can't watch that stuff. Anyway, go to a comedy club, people. That's all I'm telling you. And and by the way, if you've seen this guy before, he's like he looks familiar. ABC's The Bachelor's Proposal. Yep, I was on that. You almost got married. We were doing that show in Phoenix, Arizona, Mesa, yep. Arizona, and you looked at me before you walked on stage. You said, oh, by the way, Wednesday I might be engaged. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, we're shooting this dating show in three days, and at the end, if I win, I have to get engaged. And you're like, what? And I was like, all right, I'll see you. Have a good show. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got and – then, and then, this is the dude, if you've watched American Gladiator. This dude American tests, Ninja Warrior. American, that's what I meant. Not American Gladiator. Shut up. It's close enough. American Ninja Warrior. So American, they crush you on Gladiator. (laughs) American Ninja Warrior. So if you watch that show, this is the dude that tests out the courses wherever they go in in the country. He tests out the courses. And so he's in ridiculous, stupid shape. And it makes me sick. But I know his weakness. I know his kryptonite. You know what it is? What is that? Heights. Oh, because yes. Because this guy can't do heights. They had no. you zip line off of a, what, 15-story building? Yeah. So I'm going to back that train up real quick. Uh, I was the first comedian ever to compete on American Ninja Warrior. Yep. Uh, so I was on the show twice. And the same company builds all those shows. So now that I live in L.A., they recycle us to do all the testing. So um, – Million Dollar Mile, it was on CBS. It was a LeBron James production. Tim Tebow was the host. They aired two episodes. Like, no, it's not working. They moved it to Saturdays, and they doubled the episodes and canceled the show. But while (laughs) testing, right before I was about to run the course, they're like, oh, we're going to have you do the finale. Well, the finale is you rope climb 20 stories up, and you have to get up there and jump off. And I'm afraid of heights. And so I was like, oh, man. I was like, they sprung it on me, like, right before... Uh, we were going to do a full course test because all the executive producers were watching to see, like, okay, we like this camera angle. We don't like this camera angle. Uh, and so I was getting paid to do it. So I was like, screw it. I got to do it. And uh, I had to climb up the rope. Uh, I just looked up the whole time because I didn't – this is downtown That would LA. be the hardest part for me. Um, well, the the rope climb, it was – I mean, I'm scared it, of nothing, but whatever. Since it was so far up, we were um, – of course, we had a harness on. So if we let go of the rope, we didn't fall down. 
but it was on a like a like a pulley system. So they weighed us. So the start of it down at the bottom, we were at zero weight. And then as we got up higher up, we got up to 100% of our body weight. So the last few Come feet, on. last few feet had 100, uh, weigh 175. So I had to pull all my body weight the last few feet up. Uh, so I'm exhausted. And then they switch us to another harness. And we have to jump off the building. Uh, and then it kind of, you free fall about halfway down, then it catches you and you kind of glide down so you can land on your feet. And they How do you glide down? Like, like on, you're like on like a, a cable. It's kind of like a zip line, but you free fall. So there like, was no zip line, but you just went out and you, they let you fall. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it was kind of like a zip line. Once the slack catches, you, you straight fall for, um, I don't know, probably four or five of the stories. It seemed like forever for me because I'm scared of heights. Like I'm surprised I didn't have uh, dirty draws when I got to the bottom. Um, and it just dropped down. Then it kind of catches you. you. The slack catches, and you kind of glide down to safely land on the on the ground. And that thing caught where you like. <sighs> oh, I know. Yeah, it was, it was. But it was. I did it. It was a once lifetime experience. When are you going to jump off? I saw the video of twenty you doing stories it. downtown LA. It'll probably never be set up again. The show's canceled. Um, so <laughs> it was, you had Tim, Tim Tebow. Tebow on it. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Screw Tim Tebow. <laughs> I actually he knocked, prayed that through. I, uh, I actually knocked. <laughs> oh, hush with the hate. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> We did do the Tebow, the Tebow Neil thing. Yeah. He thought it was funny. Yeah, we were, we were all doing a good it. Dude, he's a um, monster. He's a monster. He's a good athlete. dude. He, he was a, he was a nice guy. Um, I actually knocked on his head, <laughs> and then after I did, I was like, oh, I just knocked on. Uh, one of my fun facts was I've never broke a bone in my life, and so they were giving him fun facts about the competitors to so he could work on his hosting skills. So he's like, so I heard you never broke a bone in your life, and I was like, hopefully I won't tonight. Then I knocked on his head. <laughs> <laughs> and he got the joke and I don't know if the executive producers or not and he laughed and then right as I was doing I was like oh I'm knocking on the star of the show it's like head I hope they're not going to fire me I'm a comedian I don't apologize for anything yeah I'm knock on wood it was one of those moments you just played off and own it and yeah. went with it yeah um, is he married yet? I have no idea I know he got engaged because well he was supposedly saving it yeah he was saving it that's yeah. why I'm asking because I'm hoping he's getting it so I, I, I'm pretty sure he's probably getting it in Florida yeah, well, I don't know. He was saving it for his wife. I don't know. It's kind of tough. <laughs> He's gonna be calling in now. I saved Dude. it for my wife. Amazing. Oh, you see what? What happened? Johnny, you want to tell that lie again? Come on, Pinocchio. You want to put something out there? <laughs> he saved something. What'd you say? For? It was at my wedding. Yeah, <laughs> this it was at my wedding. Yeah. I saved it. Anyway, we're gonna get so many emails for this episode. I good. I can bring them on. Send them to Steve at watchchad.com. Steve at watchchad.com is the official email address for all complaints, and uh, I just don't care and apologize. So we're at the hour. So where can they find you? Um, TysonPfeiffer.com. My last name F A I F E R. If you can't spell that, TysonTheComic.com. Yeah, F-A-I-F-E-R, TysonPfeiffer.com. Yep. Follow him on Instagram, follow him on Twitter, all the good stuff. I love you know, stalkers. Do you, do you Twitter much? I don't do Twitter as much um, because I've kind of learned this from Social Media 101. You can't kick ass at all platforms. Like really, really focus on one. So uh, my Instagram and Facebook are kind of linked, so that's kind of the platform I'm focusing on. I still have Twitter. I tweet, um, but I don't have a ton of followers on there. And it's mostly when the comedy club says, I'm coming to town, I'll retweet it and yeah. like it, stuff like that. Yeah. But Instagram, Facebook is majority of my content. Instagram, Facebook, you can see the videos. You can watch them go jump off of buildings. And uh, anyway, check him out. Go to a comedy club this weekend. Have a Do good it. time. And uh, go find Tyson Pfeiffer out on the road. And you'll probably see him with me sometimes in, in the future. So anyway, uh, for the Chad Brady Show, Party Foul Steve, Bougie Sean. Hey, <laughs> 
the puppet master right over here, Mark, kicking it, driving this thing. And Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians. I love all of you guys. Thanks for watching. Go to where podcasts are offered. Rate us and review us. We love you. Five stars only. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.